<laughs> what is up to all our sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation? You're currently tuning into the Cold Pop Podcast live stream. I'm your host, not Johnny Destructo, who who himself is the owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Manion, Philadelphia, PA. I am the, uh, uh, let's say, podcast stepfather you never asked for this week. Uh, Noel Bertocci with me is... Brian Lieb. Uh, Where's the is- podcast stepfather that we did ask for? I mean, you know what? It's it's a it's um it's a conversation between you, me and your mother. I understand that we'll have when you're older and you can understand. I understand. I'll uh, give you a number. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Just uh, just give me in contact with your mother. I'll have a cool. conversation with her, and then we'll Sounds we'll good. decide as a team how we're going to talk to you about how the family <laughs> dynamic is now going to work. That's, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's going to work. It's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be fine. You know what? It might be hard at first. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> uh, as you can see, we're uh, well, there's two less boxes, so this is an exclusively um, sidekick and henchfolk edition of the Cold Pump Pumpcast. Um, so t- today we're gonna be talking about uh, this week, this past week's comics, as well as our book selection. So don't we, we did not forget about book club. That's why we're here. Um, it's uh, John Constantine, Hellblazer, Volume 1, uh, Marks of Woe by Simon Spurrier, Aaron Campbell, and Matias Bargara. Um, but first, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping, which I know we normally don't do, so just bear with me. Um, as you can tell, JD's not here, but don't turn it off. We're going to do okay. Uh, Brian, I know that you're ready to just bounce, but don't. Listen, we're we're going to oh. have a good time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a good time, I promise. <laughs> um, he's on a much needed vacation and Len had some business to take care of, but we're going to, you know, we're here for the live stream and just have a conversation with you guys. Um, but next weekend we are intentionally likely going to take off, uh, the day after Halloween, November 1st, we're probably going to, to take a, a much needed break from the live stream. Um, but then we will be back November 8th, uh, refreshed and ready to go. And we'll be communicating any differences, uh, in between now and then, but in our absence, there are loads and loads of videos and episodes on our, our YouTube channel, Cult Pop Go, YouTube, uh, and in the in the feed that you get this podcast. So revisit old ones, visit new ones, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, all that jazz, because we're just going away for one week. Don't freak out. Um, so we did have one letter. We had a letter? Gonna, we did have a letter. Maybe uh, by next week we'll have lots, lots of lots of, of, lots of, lots of letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had one letter, but it's a, it's a it's a topic that would be better discussed by all four yeah. of us. It has to do with costumes, so we figured we would save it for for when the guys are back, for for when the rest of the team is back, and it would be it would just be more fruitful than you know me yeah. and you Fun conversation. talking about. We don't want to leave yeah. them out. Yeah, it'd be better. Um, so I mean, with all that out of the way, I guess we could just yeah. talk immediately about the comics. Doesn't it feel weird that there's not just like a little bit of a buffer? Yeah, then we'll talk a little bit about something else, uh, completely unrelated to the show. You know, something like that. Changing uh, family mean, dynamics. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the makeup of your your nuclear sure, family. Sure. Now, uh, <laughs> all right. So the first the first book we're going to talk about is the Scumbag Number One by Image Comics, written by Rick Remender with art by Louis Larossa. So I'm going to read what Diamond has to say. All right. 
Rick Remender launches an all-new comedy espionage series, The Scumbag, the story of Ernie Ray Clementine, a profane, illiterate, drug-addicted biker with a fifth-grade education. He's the only thing standing between us and total Armageddon because this dummy accidentally received a power-imbuing serum, making him the world's most powerful super spy. There's another chunk to it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hold off on reading that until we talk about it. Okay. So, Brian, what yes. were your thoughts on this first Cracker Jack issue of Scumbag number uh, one. I thought it was pretty Cracker Jack, you know, to, <laughs> to coin an adjective. <laughs> um, it was fun. It was good. It was certainly not the kind of thing that I would be drawn to. You know, that I like, I would never pick this up off the shelves myself. Um, and it, it telegraphs where it's headed, but in a way that is not, it's not bad to do so. You know, I think it's, um, it's in, a, in a positive sort of, uh, like... You know, you know where you know where this story is headed. Kind of, yeah. Enjoy the ride to get there. Uh, so that wasn't that wasn't a detractor. I like the one flip where they did where he is he's finally got his drugs right, and he's and he's there. You think he's in the bathroom? You got diary coming out of him, and then it switches, and he's in the exact same pose, but he's on a street full of people. And I was like, well, that was pretty effectively done. You know, to to showcase. What state he is in? What state his life is in yeah, right they, now? The, yeah. the art, the art does a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to perspective shifts during this book. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a couple of points, like that's only I think the first one where they they show like his perspective, even mm-hmm. if it's like terrible, but they pan out in the reality, and they do that later on in the alleyway where he's essentially witnessing like what a dragon fights yeah. another. Like, it's just like the, a like, uh, Medusa versus a yeah. leprechaun. It's yeah. just two people. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah, 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 but it's just two people fighting, yeah. um, which is really effective. Also, do like I, 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 when those things kind of happen, I see it as a, a you know, like a cheat, but a good cheat for the writer, yeah. being able to just kind of um, real shorthand show you what you need to see. You know, mm-hmm. like this is a bad guy, this is a goodish guy, and we're gonna put them in mm-hmm. these like personas. That's interesting. But, I didn't think of that. I was just, just like. Oh, this is a delusion that he is having, you know, but uh, it, it I, does also work in that way. Yeah. yeah I was just going to say like, um, it's usually those choices are very, mm. very, uh, they're often not involuntary or they're not arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are usually always kind of like, you know, eh, I see you like shorthand yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I picked this up only based on the creative team. Yeah. Cause I really who, like Rick Remender. Louis LaRosa. Okay. Um, I really, really like the creative team, and I it got a lot of buzz. the The title is very um, uh, intriguing. Just yeah. scumbag, even. yeah, just scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the key art is of this um, nasty looking, like the art looks like it smells like this man's supposed yeah, to. Definitely. Like it's it's yeah. very gritty. It's very disgusting. It's like lived in in a dangerous kind of way. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. It was. It was absolutely something that was intriguing um i didn't like the first half all that much i loved the art Mm -hmm. but it was just like i effectively hated this man oh sure and then it was about (laughs) halfway through when i realized what rick Miranda's doing he's essentially i mean it's it's all on the page it's there's no Mm -hmm. there's no subtext it's all text or there's no context it's just text yeah um it, he he's taking this person that you are supposed to hate and making mm-hmm. them important, which I cannot imagine isn't an allegory for a lot of the things that are happening today. Hmm. Like we don't have to like who has our lives in our hands. We just have to make them be okay with like, we just have to make them like, function, get, get it done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, which I, 
it was a really like this is a high very high or bro- very broad allegory for that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. for me it became effective towards the end mm-hmm. now i'm going to read the last bit of of the the diamond solicit because i didn't know this until i copied oh, okay. it okay this new ongoing series will feature a murderer's row of all-star artistic talents rotating each issue the first issue showcases the stunning work of Louis Rosa, with subsequent chapters and covers by brilliant talents such as Andrew Robinson, Eric Paolo, Eric Powell, Tula Lote, Wes Craig, Roland Bashi, Simon DeMeo, Marguerite Savage, Duncan Fregredo, Yannick Paquette, Mike McCone, Dave Johnson, Marino DeSino, and more. This is going to be an anthology book of sorts of all rotating artists. But just, just about art, part. right? Or like yeah. it follows this character. But Yeah. That's an so interesting every- choice. Right? Yeah. Every single issue is going to be some sort of huh. either ongoing or or standalone adventure of this hmm. human piece of garbage <laughs> with nothing but, you know, super, I guess he's got superpowers. Yeah, we didn't talk about he the does. He, he does. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a junkie that accidentally imbues himself with, or injects himself with what makes you a superhuman for or a super spy, and they bribe him into... I'll tell you what, the way that that happens, even knowing, like, there's no other way that this could have happened, right? He, he's he got a, a needle, the needle rolls into an alley, the super spies are fighting over a different needle with some yeah. very positive contents, presumably, yeah. and the the guy, like, uh, presumably the good guy, but we don't really know that, um, grabs a needle, shoves it into his heart, because he thinks this is, like, the nanotech that's going to give him superpowers, and... I was still slightly surprised when it happened. You know what I mean? Like, there's it's so laid out. Like, this is exactly what's going to happen. But just it caught up in the story in the moment. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That's the heroine. <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, this is not good. Uh, yeah, I really, really loved it. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, that was... Um... That kind of dark humor I actually really enjoy. So you've got like mm-hmm. these two super spies fighting each other. One accidentally injects himself with heroin and then yeah. it starts to, to fade into it. But then they both shoot each other in the head. Yeah. Like that is such dark, nasty yeah. humor. And it's it's humor because it's staged as a joke. And the punchline is that they both blow each other away. Mm. So it's supposed to be funny, but it, there's nothing funny about it. It's actually really disturbing. <laughs> Sometimes that stuff, when it when it's pulled off well, it's just like... Well done. Hmm. Um, Sam David uh, <laughs> mentioned here, uh, I mentioned it before, but it feels like a joke. Like the creators were like, I bet we can get these people to buy anything. Yeah. Call your yeah. book scumbag and yeah. make sure you have a plan. <laughs> if, uh, no, I've heard the same thing about, and I don't know if this is true, but uh, the story goes that the same is true of dogs wearing clothes, that it was a bet that somebody was like, I'll bet you I can get people to do anything. And in a year they'll have conventions about it. <laughs> and then they did. And then they were told that. And the people were like, oh, how interesting. I like yeah. my dog wearing clothes. I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah. I don't care how you came across this great idea. It's a great <laughs> right. idea. Right. Um, but yeah, would you would you continue this series just to I see where it goes? Or You know, I'll tell you what. The thing that makes me most interested in continuing it is seeing how they will uh, maintain this continuity with a different artist every book. Because it's also the kind of book that could do that he's a drug addled you know uh kind of guy who maybe mm. a different art style every issue could be played so into the story itself you know you're suggesting yes that the art changes will be a part could be a part of the story i don't know that they will be it might be more of a like a subtext thing 
They mm-hmm. could be, but or kind of like um, you see Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. You remember how they uh, did? I yeah, they they changed the actor because it was like mm-hmm. the perspective of the, and yeah. it worked really well. They they had to do it because Heath Ledger <laughs> passed away, unfortunately. But um, it felt like it was part of the story all along. And I wonder if this will be obviously very very different. But <laughs> you know, the next issue will be like <laughs> they planned out. I feel I I personally feel like the um the simplicity of it mm-hmm. is going to lend to being able to just make it almost anthology feeling mm-hmm. like just single missions or screw ups of this character. So I think at least the first handful are just going to be one shots almost. I think yeah, that's, that's, that's how it feels to me. No, I mean, it's I, the first <clears throat> issue, but the story yeah. itself is self-contained. It's just like an origin story and that's that. Whereas maybe the next one will just be a mission. Oh, that's funny. Or, I thought okay. the next one was like, we have to take care of this thing that we've set up here. But I'm, well, in not. so much yeah. as using this asshole, right, I don't know. Right. If, I don't. I don't know if they set up. They didn't set up like a large. Well, there's some kind threat of so much as something's coming. Yeah, there's something he's got to do. But now that we're talking about it, I could see it. I could see this being the kind of book where you rarely, if ever, see him actually doing the things that they want him to do. Maybe just like mostly off panel, a little here and there, and usually it's him between missions, and they're mm-hmm. trying to cajole him. Um, if that this is the is case, so I could see this being it. What's that? This art is so good. It is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like yeah, their reactions I, too. The people that like <laughs> that are in charge of this organization are like, oh, shit. yeah. The That's the dang. acting the acting is spectacular. This is I yeah. I, I liked this more. The more I sat with it, the more I liked it. Like reading it, for, just reading it through was just like, that's you know, I see what they're doing. That's fine. Mm-hmm. The more I thought about it, the more I kept flipping through it and the art and and the and then learning the idea that it's going to be a different artist every time. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of maybe anthologizing something weird like this, mm-hmm. and and also too, it's just it's brand equity. Like I will give Rick Remender a shot mm-hmm. for pretty much anything. So hopefully, hopefully it pays off. Sweet. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the next one. All right, let's segue into that one. Doing segue now. Okay, as a segue, I'm going to, like, the segue itself is, let's talk about the next one. Uh, 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 so uh, this is a digital-only release from Panel Syndicate. We read we read and reviewed the first issue, but that was um, early in the pandemic. So what, six months ago almost? In the, it in was the a while issue? ago. Yeah. yeah, the second issue finally came out, um, and... Wanted to talk about it. So this is Friday, number two, written by Ed Brookbaker with art by Marcos Martin. There is no description for this one issue mm-hmm. because it's a digital release. But I do have a description of the book for those of you that kind of forgot or need to be reminded. Friday Fitzhugh spent her childhood solving crimes and digging up occult secrets with her best friend, Lancelot Jones, the smartest boy in the world. But that was the past. Now she's in college, starting a new life of her own. Except when Friday comes home for the holidays, she's immediately pulled back into Lance's orbit and finds that something very strange and dangerous is happening in their little New England town. Hmm. So, Brian, what did you think of this book? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the It was a little tough getting back into it after so long, but like so many things coming out now, that can't be held against this book. You know, I mean, it was a long time ago. Who was held? Oh, there's somebody in there with you. Oh, there's a ghost. There was a ghost that walked behind me, a ghost and a hoodie. That's pretty cool. Because ghosts get cold. Why shouldn't they? Um, yeah, so that kind of thing can't be held against any of these books, you know, but it, but it was still a little difficult. 
the I remember the first one I was thinking like, eh, kind of tired of this gritty real world approach to things. You know, it's not that this one is poorly done. I've just seen it so much now, you know, and this one didn't feel like that so much at all. You know, it was uh, more, I don't know, it moved. I was more engaged with it. I was less like, well, they didn't play up the, the one thing that really stuck with me was Lancelot Jones being like, oh, he's actually kind of a, kind of a jerk because he's into these mysteries. And I was like, yeah, the, the reason that they only talk about mysteries in these books is because that's what these books are about, you know, that kind of thing. None of that, none of that entered my consciousness this time. Um, I found myself thinking like, oh no, their relationship, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Friday and Lancelot Jones, no, they, they would be so great together, but it just isn't working. And you know, who knows what will happen. I, but, yeah. I, yeah, before we try and read that scene, because I like, I didn't, I, my mind shifts as to how that actually played out. Mm, but, okay. um, but I, I, I gotta say, I do love, not that I love that you have an aversion to it. I love hearing about your aversion to, <laughs> um, you say gritty. I just say, applying realism mm. to previously established tropes. Yeah. So the idea of kid detective and, and, you know, adventure, uh, YA adventure, like mm-hmm. Hardy boys and, and Nancy drew the idea of moving that forward 20 years mm-hmm. or 10 years or whatever into a more modern context. To me, that's not gritting it. That's kind of just like evolving it. Mm. It doesn't diminish what was before. And it also can create something new. Now, if you do it poorly, it's just, edgelord bullshit that you know like look they're saying the f word like that's right but just fucking drew yeah i know just the premise (laughs) though of taking it from one genre or one aspect of a subgenre into another one i actually Mm -hmm. think is really fascinating and fun so the first Mm -hmm. issue of this of what happens when kid detectives one goes to college and one stays home Mm -hmm. here we learn that it's because he's um two years younger right right right. like I think that that's pretty cool. She comes back and she's smoking cigarettes and like kind of wants to talk about their relationship, but it's just mm-hmm. like, great. Um, you know, he's mm-hmm. pulling me into a, to a like two minutes off the, the train and he's pulling me into some sort of weird mystery. And that's not what's important. So like mm-hmm. the clashing I thought was really, really good. And then in this issue, we learn about that last summer mm-hmm. before she left and it was, it was effective, pretty emotional. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was really well done the way that upsetting in a good way, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although it's interesting that you that you say um, two minutes off the train, he wants to talk about these things, and he's pulling into another mystery instead of talking about important things. And that Mm -hmm. I think is let me let me backtrack a second. I also can find that kind of thing really interesting and fascinating. I think I had just this was like one too many in a row that I saw. was this like right after anything Tom King where he made one of it's your possible. heroes? I don't um, remember. I don't, think so, I don't <laughs> think so, but it's possible. Like yeah. if it was after Strange Adventures number one that we talked <laughs> right. about it, then it I'm was like, just like, screw this. I mean, what right. the hell? Right. I, I think it's kind of similar sometimes to uh, some people's reactions to Luke in, what was the second one? The Last Jedi, where he's like, oh, you're laser swords and whatever. I Sometimes I'm like, yeah, these mysteries are important. That's why I'm here. These are not, you know, like in the world that they live in, these mysteries are real things and they're very important. Um, but that being said, uh, I, I, like I said, I didn't feel that way with this one at all. Um, the, the way that they went through 
the the past kind of uh, things where you get the covers. I mean, you can see it here, but for the people that are listening only, yeah. so definitely can't see it. These are yeah, like so, kind of covers of old teen or preteen. Uh, yeah, so the, the, that, that's, a, that, again, another perfect segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the structure of this issue was very interesting because it, it, it does pick up ex- like literally directly right after the first issue ends. And honestly, I didn't remember the details of the first issue. I just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to go through with this because they yeah. know, like the writers know this was six months later. This was right. six months ago. Um, the structure of it was, okay, or immediately following the first issue but she goes to you know the the main character friday goes Mm -hmm. to sleep but then we are treated to the flashbacks of how they met Mm -hmm. and then the passage of time between that meeting and the disillusion of or the dissolvement of their friendship Mm -hmm. uh is shown through (laughs) i mean well at the time yeah uh was shown through um mocked up covers of young like young young adult fiction uh yeah. mystery novels and they yeah. were adorable and incredibly well done yeah um did you read the pieces of prose oh, of in course. between the pages oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say i figured if anybody <laughs> did it, it was you right. and they were just they were just story excerpts but yeah. it's it, like the artist the writer and the artist just went through the time of actually kind of writing excerpts of these books mm-hmm. to just show in a splash page which was fantastic i, I also uh yeah yeah i thought it, i thought it was really great and it gets you into this world of these are the kinds of things that we're familiar with, but this has never existed before. So it's cool to, you know, see them kind of go through it in that way. Um, also, speaking of when they met, the art is like this halcyon sort of existence, and it doesn't change when it's in the modern world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very effective. You know, it's uh, I, the art really moves me through this book, and it sets a tone for... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's both adult, but also has this kind of simplistic innocence that is the exact tone of the book in general. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree. The 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 art and the coloring is just is fantastic in this book. Mm-hmm. I really like Marcos Martin. Mm-hmm. His figures are usually very exaggerated, mm-hmm. but not in a unrecognizable or unfeeling kind of way. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, heads are oblong, uh, bodies are slender, but mm-hmm still a moat it's not just yeah. a gimmick um yeah which is really really nice like it's 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 like the an aspect of the best kinds of cartoons mm-hmm. you know like you mm-hmm. still kind of can see you can still see the acting and you could still kind of feel the emotion on the page it's there's really, also really a, nice. a simplicity to it similar to yeah. cartoons where you know there's a lot of panels that there's not that much going on but not in a way especially when they first meet and it's winter but not in a way that feels like, oh, they're just drawing foreground. It's like it's intentional and it's yeah. good to be there. This... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. I, I also like how they mention the, like, she shows up at this town when she's a kid at like sixth grade or something and is like, oh, this town is so boring. But there's so many different things happening in this town. And I'm reminded of uh, Murder, She Wrote, right? <laughs> the This yeah. old show, right? It, and you know, Chris Noble. It might as well be the murder capital of the world. Right, like, it's right. just so sleepy, but there's always, right. like, every week there's a murder or a mystery. So much yeah. killing going on in that town. So much carnage in this little town that <laughs> right. only this old lady understands. Right. I, I, you know what? I, I do want to talk. I do want to talk about, like, what happened in their relationship, but I almost don't because I, I mm. like, I, people should read this book. Yeah. It's it's available. It's available via panelsyndicate.com. It's a pay what you want to read comic. There's a bunch of other comics on there. 
Um, but this was really, really good. And I will say to you, like the, what happens to them in their relationship is just so well done mm-hmm. in, in a one person wants one thing, one person wants the other. Maybe they want the same thing, but it's such an awkward 17 yeah. year old yeah. resolution yeah. that it, it st- obviously still is not resolved. So like they decide to do something, but then they're like, did it not work because of nerves? Did it not work because it mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to? Did it not? So like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really, really very um, ripe, dramatic things in here in the middle of a very brightly colorful cartoonish yeah, yeah. story. Like this, this was maybe the favorite thing I read this week. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, what do you think about the the mystery, which may or may not, but I'm pretty sure is part of the mystery, where I thought it was really cool, where she wanders in the forest and she meets this old lady. and and uh, it, was, it was jarring. The, the idea that this might have a supernatural bend, even though that they've been hinting at it since, like, mm-hmm. everything that they say about all of their previous adventures in right, the town, right. and all that, there's a hint that there's something maybe supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um as at this point, I don't know if it's supernatural a la Scooby-Doo, where it's not mm-hmm. really supernatural, or if it's supernatural a la Buffy, where it really I is, and yeah. kids are the only ones that kind of can see it. I think it's that, because that's pretty common, right, for like, I so I've never read any Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys or anything like that, but my under, I did read Encyclopedia Brown, but I ba- barely remember it. My understanding is, they're generally in the real world, but sometimes supernatural stuff shows up, and it is real, and... I wonder if we'll find out a secret about this town during the story. Yeah, and, like they're all tied together. I think she says something to the effect of it's not the first time I've been running from a monster in the woods. Yeah. That could be yeah. a metaphor. That could be literal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still so much to know about. Mm-hmm. It's uh, when all of, all of these panel syndicate books, they, um, they, ha- even though they're page, you go digital, they are, I think almost all of them at this point have been printed. Like when the collection is done, they'll print the the hardcover or something. Oh, nice. Okay. I definitely want this on my shelf when it's done. This yeah. is something that you could hand anybody over the age of fourteen. Yeah. This is great. As long as they speak, read, and understand English. Yes. Uh, well, you know It'd what? Be hard if they don't. You know what? No. I'll tell you uh, what. You know, just, I will the, agree to just take the that pictures. back. The art's the really pictures. good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Now, so, a quick plug for the rest so just of possess the eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so is Panel Syndicate is the one with Sentient and the the guy no, Paradise that's DKO. DKO. Okay, right. DKO. Right. Panel Syndicate is Private Eye, Bad Karma. Um, okay. I th- there, there's a okay. couple. Oh, okay. Barrier. Um, okay. it was it was actually started by Brian K. Vaughn, I believe, and a, and another artist. Mm-hmm. So it's uh the the writers so far. I don't know enough about it without pulling it up, but it's okay. it's panelsyndicate.com. You'll see all of their catalog. Uh, the stuff comes out when it's done. It's not always a monthly thing, mm-hmm. um, but we've covered a couple of their books before. I think the last one that we talked about besides Friday was Bad Karma, which was written by Alex DeCampi. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's the that was the story with the two the two um, soldiers who did a lot of messed up stuff in the war, and now that they're yes, almost right. like on a redemption tour, that was a really good book. That's a really good book, too. Yeah, that was well done. That was well done. Um, but let's move on. Right. Oh, uh, before we do, though, Daniel Johnson, Daniel Jansen, uh, kind of gave a shout out. Uh, hey, many thanks uh, with your help for the Brodart covers. Found them oh. on eBay because he's in Sweden. The nice. only way to protect your just jackets is with Brodart covers. Look it up. It's wonderful. They're great. Uh, but I had to. Um, so, yeah. So the next book we're going to talk about is 
Fantastic Four number 25, a Marvel mainstay. I figured we're going to touch on every single kind of publishing today. We're going to do a Marvel book. We're going to do an image book or image slash indie book. We're going to do a digital exclusive. We're going to do an old scroll that we found in uh, dusty recesses of an uncommon library. We're going to talk about Roman literature. Sure. Tapestries uh, (laughs) will be mentioned. (laughs) Cave paintings is in the fourth hour of the show today. Uh, (laughs) Fantastic Four number 25 written by Dan Slott with art by Arby Silva. Um, A new era for the Fantastic Four. Do not miss it. This issue has it all. New artists, new villains, new uniforms, and a new major permanent status quo change for the Marvel's first family. Who is the helmsman? Is he here to save reality or destroy it? Why is Victorious in New York? And what will mean? What will that mean for the Human Torch? All this in an appearance by Doctor Doom, one of the most important characters in the entire Cosmos Returns from the Dead, and a major turning point in the history of the Fantastic Four. That was all hyperbole. I didn't get anything out of that. However, what did you think of this issue? Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say all of the things that that solicit said, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I really liked it. I mean, one thing that it mentioned, the costumes. I, I always up oh, for a cool FF costume. Yeah, these are very cool. Um, classic, but reinvented. You know, in, in mm-hmm. the uh, darker part goes under the um, under the yeah, floor. They, yeah. it's, it's very much a, a like a two-tone, John, instead of just like a blue onesie with a mm-hmm. uh, four in the middle, mm-hmm. it's got like a nice black shoulder top and then yeah. blue underneath the four like and yeah. also too they have the we're gonna we're gonna do a whole 10 minutes on the costumes let's do it they have uh corresponding other garments to go with their new costumes so there's biker jackets that are also matching and boots that are also ma- like uh, the kids will like so the kids are all running on a mission and like mm-hmm. one puts on their you know <laughs> their uh, Fantastic yeah. Four leather jacket because it's a little yeah. too chilly for the onesie. And they <laughs> right. look, like it's just cool. Like they actually cool. have branded items as opposed cool. to just like a uniform, which is and they, uh, super geeky. Yeah, and which is exactly the kind of thing that they would do too. You know what I mean? They're Marvel's first family. They love doing this kind of I thing. Mean, yeah, you have to have um, you have to have options. Sure, of course. Yeah. Also, yeah, speaking of cool. options. They've got pouches in a very reasonable way, right? Like, if any super team is going to have a pouch on their belt, it's the Fantastic Four. Like, they go, they're a space, they're adventurers, you know? Reed's always got an invention that's uh, coming out of the, the ether, basically. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense, and it looks cool, and it works. Uh yeah, uh, as far as costumes go, solid, solid. Hit. Yeah, and and I I do love again. We're gonna talk about costumes. I do love <laughs> that it's part of the story. Mm-hmm. Like they walk, like Johnny is walking around handing them out. Like guys, it's costume day. We get yeah. to do it again. It's costume day. Like this is Don't the kind of thing that day? happens in their family. Yeah. Because it happens every so one often. Two, every one right. to two years, they get right. a new they get a new costume, and it's just yeah. like everybody got their costumes. We got their costumes, right? Aren't they cool? <laughs> I'm I thought that, that has not funny. invented a costume that can just change looks whenever they want. You know, I, I, you know that's what? That's that's. I'm sure a writer did that at some point. Probably. There's so much Fantastic Four I did not read. Yeah, and they're already on stable molecules, which I always thought was super cool. <laughs> just the idea. Uh, speaking of costumes, did you notice that Franklin is in the uh, original X Men costume when yeah. Johnny Stewart? Yeah. I think it's actually Cyclops's because he's got the visor. So Franklin is a mutant, and you know, for those of for those who don't know. 
Um, it's it's always a little weird in the Marvel universe, right? I guess he's got the axe gene, but he also has powers because his kids. I mean, it's because his parents are the two members of the Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, it, yeah. The the origin of his powers for a long time were kind, was kind of a mystery, but he's a mutant officially. Yeah, and um, Valeria is just a genius. She's not right, really super powered, right. but um, but yeah, he's a, he's a mutant, and he ha- his, re- his essentially his teenage rebellion is yeah. going off to Krakoa a lot, mm-hmm. and they're doing their best to be supportive, but they're like, hey, man, you could you could do both. Yeah, <laughs> which is cool, but th- I think that's the um, status quo change that they're uh, mm. very much talking about in this issue. The, oh, so so this issue. Uh, first of all, I kind of enjoy this issue. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very love it or leave it when it comes to um, Dan Slott. Like okay. sometimes he just really hits it for me, mm-hmm. but then within two issues, it's just like, yeah, I get it, just <laughs> fine. Like yeah. he gets, it's almost like just like he he very much has a sweet spot inside like old school Marvel nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But if it's five degrees up or down, it's yeah, just yeah. It, yeah. it's insufferable to me. Um, this is very much in the sweet spot, so I, I did a, I did like it. I appreciate it. I thought it was really cute. Sure. Um, but the idea of this helmsman, this this new alien or thing, mm-hmm. it's more powerful than anything. It's like eh, yeah, yeah, big powerful cosmic thing. Mm-hmm. They essentially throw literally everything at it, mm-hmm. and it's like just yeah. dust it off, yeah. including all of Franklin's power source. So right. Franklin had a depleting cosmic power source as his, as his mutant ability. But they don't know why it's depleting. They just know that when he's he like uses cut it off from the energy or something, and now he's only got what he's already got. Yeah. He completely used it like a, like a, like a drained himself, like a battery of it, trying mm-hmm. to fight this thing, barely scratched it. So he runs off. Cause now he's just, he's just a, he's a human essentially. Mm-hmm. runs off and he's like no matter what I'll still be a mutant and I'm still special and then he can't get through the Krakoa gate which you would so, think also like the mutants just went through this where a lot of them were depowered and they were pretty understanding about those people are still I, part of I, the I mutant, well I, at this know? well at this point first of all the I think the the gates are not controlled by the mutants they're controlled uh, by true. by Krakoa so yeah, yeah. doesn't sense it you're out yeah but You've got this this kind of dramatic setup of a sixteen or 15, 15 or sixteen year old who finally found his identity, mom. Yeah, and then yeah. that was taken, so yeah. he's not super happy about it. Which is really, it's really interesting. It's pretty fascinating. I'll tell you, um, I and really then this big that, threat. Oh, just this big threat, this new big threat. Yeah, which also was cool with a uh, kind of a fun like, oh, Reed did something sciency a long time ago, and couldn't move it when they, so they they weren't in the Baxter building. They, they had left and some other similar to the fantastic four team mm-hmm. was there. And, uh, you know, so this thing was still there, but, uh, Reed couldn't do anything about it. And I just thought that was a cool kind of fantastic four. Um, like you've created this most, the most powerful thing around, uh, and this is what he's after. Now, what I thought was going to happen is when that was unleashed and they're like, Oh, the energy is going everywhere. We can't contain it. I thought Franklin was going to absorb it and it was going to fix his power issues. Um, I don't know. But I, that did not the, happen. I'm still fuzzy as to what this power source. So it's, it's essentially just like the, a, a bit of, or a piece of, or similar to the energy that created the cosmos. Or yeah. It's, like from before like this a, universe, it seems right up Franklin Richards's alley, you know, but oh, yeah. I think, 
I think that's actually the status quo. The change that they've referred to is um, earlier in the book, Valeria was working on a, a teleporter system, which she had cobbled together from a variety of other kinds of tech, and, and she couldn't power it. That was the only problem. But now it has merged with this power source and is yeah. immobile. So I think the the Fantastic Four are going to be, they'll rebuild the Baxter building, and they'll have this it is now a transporter to anywhere in the universe, so things are going to come through. They're going to deal with that, you know, that kind this of thing. The new, for the foreseeable future, this is the new um, MacGuffin for yeah. this book. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they, they're sitting on top of this gate that can go anywhere and, and any when yeah. and have to protect it from any everyone in the entire universe that's going to try and get their hands yeah, on it. Yeah, people try to get into it. I'm sure they'll go through and have adventures on the other side. Yeah, as soon as, as yeah. soon as as soon as she did it too, I was just like, oh, so this is at yeah. least the next fifteen issues of this sure, book. For sure. This is this is this is what all the way up until the next event is going to be about. The protecting mm-hmm. this gate and then mm-hmm. it's, something's gonna happen with it or it's gonna get in the wrong person's hands. Um, which which I'm totally fine setup. with. Yeah, yeah. Totally fine with. And and that actually leads us to I guess the big shock ending of this book mm. um so at the end and, and honestly one of the reasons why i also i picked it for the show because it's in direct continuation of empire which we all kind of dug oh yeah um yeah the return of uatu the watcher yeah um this doubles down on that he learns the entirety of the marvel universe while he was gone mm-hmm. and then resurrects original nicholas fury yeah. as an as an agent of the watchers so whatever's Which is happening, like shield, classic shield costume yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the hubbub online was that. So there's a there's a cat in the screen now. Hey, buddy. No, I, that it's would gonna, create a hubbub. So the, the next time, the last time this happened, he irreparably damaged oh, yes. one of my absolutes. So let's see what happens. Let's see. Um, Maybe he'll irreparably <laughs> undamaged. So, so for, for those listening, if JD doesn't just cut this out, um, oh, Cooper, that ghost is back. Yeah, <laughs> the hoodie. The hoodie ghost took the cat, who was <laughs> nefariously walking over the tops of the books to knock them down. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So the the idea that uh, some of the some of the chatter online is one of the reasons why I want to talk about this too was that um, the idea of bringing back original Nicholas Fury, and I think they're just referring to him as Nicholas, not Nick, because we have. Nick Fury Jr. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Was potentially undermining the creation of that character and the status he's held in the Marvel universe for a mm. long time. Like, oh, you're 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 taking away something that you created and it's good and it's another person of color that you're undermining. Mm. Which I would totally get if they were swapping them. Right. But it it seems like this is going to be a completely different uh thing for yeah. OG Nicholas Fury. He's got he his own is, thing. Yeah. Well, he's. It looks like he's a cosmic herald, mm-hmm. just for the Watchers. Mm-hmm. As well. So they're not going to cross paths at all. This is not like, hey, I can't wait to start Shield again. Like, no, right. This then I would agree with. Be them. doing something else. Yeah, yeah. If they were like, um, oh, he's now going to be a co in charge of Shield or something like that, then it would be like they're just transitioning him to be. And and as much as I as much as I really like the story potential for that, mm-hmm. it was in his dialogue mm. that I got sick of Dan Slott. This oh, is yeah. this was the, one of the points where it was like too much. Yeah. Uh because OG Nicholas Fury talked like it was the 60s with a uh, oh, damn why would I do something so like it was yeah. it was very old school Marvel dialogue yeah, yeah. and yeah. I don't I don't enjoy reading that and it just took me completely out. 
I mean, he's even uh, in his that, original S.H.I.E.L.D. outfit, which he hasn't worn in the comics for, like, 40 years, out, I think. The yeah. outfit is dope. Yeah, with the, but, with, the, with the cloak on top of that, yeah. But you're telling me that this, like, World War II vet mm-hmm. is, like, won't... And, and has seen everything that's ever been done and killed anything that can move, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. refuses to swear and says, like, gosh, golly darn, instead, mm-hmm. in, like, a yeah. 1940s kind of way? Like, <laughs> stop it. It's just, it's just like a... He had the power of the watcher, you know, he saw everything and he was like, well, what do I need to swear for? They get, I mean, I mean, (laughs) it's, 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 uh, it's circled around a conversation about how I'll shoot you again, you son of a bitch. So like, no, like tonight, like tonally, it doesn't work. Yeah. Speaking Uh, of who he could shoot again, I am super excited about the watcher being back. You know, like I was, yeah. Like the watcher is one of my favorite kind of, side characters marvel has a, a lot of great side characters and he's up there for me and i was never too into nick fury so him taking over the weirdly put into the role of the watcher i was like eh. <laughs> um, they, they almost works, make though. it sound they make it sound better and after the fact yeah. in this issue yeah they, like um so uh, if anybody didn't read original sin by jason aaron and mike diodato from a decade ago, I don't even know. It was a while. Yeah, uh, yeah Nick Fury killed the Watcher, mm-hmm. um, and as punishment for destroying this celestial being of sorts, um, he was doomed to absorb the Watcher's eye and take its place as as being an agent of the Watchers and not being able to mm. being having to observe and record without being able to um, interfere. Mm-hmm. So he's just been in the moon. And he'd show up here and there in other like books. I think he showed up in Thor for a hot second, and, sh- and they all, they mention it all here, which yeah. is pretty interesting. But yeah, it was um, fun. This was a yeah. fun big two book. I was like, and the thing about the Kotani weapons, I'm intrigued by that. Oh like, yeah, what are these weapons. What's the deal? The Watcher knows them, like he's recognized them. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an effective tease. Do you think this will be? in its own book or will this be part of fantastic four? I mean, the watchers are uh, solidly th- fantastic four, if anything, but. the, the rumors, the rumors are that this, this, um, kicks off, a like a future event. Mm, uh, okay. that the dance lot is going to run. Um, okay. I don't know what it's going to be called. I think somebody said something like the reckoning more, which he's been kind of seeding in books for, a very long time. Oh yeah, you were mentioned, and they said those yeah. words in the last one. Like there will be a. They say it a lot. They say it so much that it's just like I get it. Right. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like uh, I think that it's going to be. I think it's going to be a two hander for a while. So like at first, like I think the Fantastic Four are directly going to deal with whatever threats are coming at this gate. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, whatever that huge nasty alien that no one could fight is probably going to be. Di- oh, yeah tied into whatever's happening with Uatu and the agent of Oh yeah. Watcher, I think you mentioned Harold earlier. Of the Watchers. It's like yeah. I think they're gonna eventually converge into whatever event that's gonna be, but for now it's probably going to be just like in the background of Fantastic Four and then eventually they'll they'll match up. I'm cool with that. Yeah, this is this yeah. is a pretty fun book. I don't know if I'm going to like fully adopt it, but hmm. I mean this was this was definitely if anybody is interested in reading Fantastic Four, if you liked Empire, if this is a great jumping on point and or continuation from that event. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But you did not have to read the uh, first 24 issues. This is, this was definitely a, a start. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's, uh, let's talk real quick about our last full review and we'll do this quick because right. we're running. 
Yeah. Um, the next book we're going to talk about is Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's Death Metal, Robin King, number one, written by Peter J. Tomasi with art by Robbie Rossmo, with a utility belt filled to the brim with weapons designed to kill every hero in the DCU. Robin King is the most sadistic soldier in the Darkest Knight's evil army. Can anyone stop him from laying waste to Earth's last line of defense? And how did he become one of the Batman who laughs go- Groblins in the first place? Yes, Goblin and Robin. Groblin. And in the back in the backup story, can the Robins liberate Gotham City from the Darkest Knight's control? Um, I don't know. If, uh, do, do we even really need to talk about the backup story? I think the um, main event was could, really the first but one. But I didn't uh read it so it would be less it was it was just fine it was it was a it was a quick um in continuity kind of um where's duke during all this the signal and it's just it's like five pages of of him kind of having a power set redo Uh, like it it seemed like it was just laying groundwork then actually telling a story it was fine But, but I think but, yeah. the meat of this definitely was that main story by uh, Tomasi and, and Rosmo. What did you think, Brian? Uh, I really liked it. I was yeah. so. Uh, I think you and I, and maybe everybody else in the world, really prefers the Robin King to the Darkest Night, uh, or to the Batman who laughs. I should say. Um, and when he first came, you know, when we first saw the Robin King, I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> who is this? <laughs> who is this Batman who laughs?" Redux, you know, this is little shit. Exactly, but everything about the Batman who laughs that is annoying to me is cool about the Robin King. You know, so quick recap: he is a Bruce Wayne who uh, from the Dark Multiverse, one of the Prime Universes. Bruce Wayne's dark imaginings. He is a Bruce Wayne who um, who has he was the one that killed Martha Thomas and Martha Wayne. And, and is totally happy about that. He's fine. He loves it, you know. And mm-hmm. he is just Batman if he was a psychopath who wanted to hurt and kill everyone. And yeah, he was he was inspired by, instead of being inspired by the fear of bats, he was inspired by the singing of Robins. Yes, the, the so his, like, free... His, yeah. yeah, his sociopathic kind of tendencies were, were echoed in the idea of, I will preach like Robins do, and, they, yeah. and people will listen and follow. So and I thought it was a pretty good. Robin. Oh, it, like, was, it, it made wonderful. sense. Yeah, like they like robins are one of the most populous birds according to this, so that makes sense. And also, it is uh, not without DC Comics precedent for a young Bruce Wayne to become a Robin. Like mm-hmm. that has happened in a variety of Silver Age and some Silver Age callback to modern age stories. Uh, so, whereas that might seem odd, well, it is odd, but it's happened before. So. Um. Yeah, I I, I liked it. I, when you mentioned Groblins, I was like, "Does he just? Does the Batman who laughs just go out of his way to be just kind of an annoying guy? In addition to being evil, he's like, you know, it would really piss well, people off if I called them Groblins. I mean, I mean <laughs> uh, Batman in general, in every every iteration, every universe, every yeah. version of him, Crackerjack mm-hmm. branding. Yeah, bad that boat, is true. bad plane, That's robbing true. this, robbing that, like bat that, on the everything's, of his shoes. <laughs> everything's yeah. got a bat or a bat logo or an insignia. So, like the idea that the point. Batman who laughs uh, fully brands his henchmen as yeah. Groblins. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's fine. It is exactly what he would do. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it is definitely. 
Oh, yeah, his little drones. Yeah, right, right. He's like, I want to call him Robins, but I also like goblins. Mm, (laughs) Goblins. goblins. (laughs) Nailed it. Chalk another one up for me. The Batman who laughs. (laughs) Print the shirts, Alfred. (laughs) Oh, I killed him, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, the art works really well. I don't know if it's the same guy that I forget who the artist is, and I definitely forget who the artist of the other Robin King appearances is. Um, But there's a synergy of style, not a synergy, just a similarity of style that I think works really well for the Robin King character. You know, he's he's kind of cartoony, but... Evil. Yeah, this is this is Riley Rosmo, who's I think right. most popular for Proof, uh, that Sasquatch book that came out a long time ago. But more so than that, he is the artist that, with Peter T- Peter J. Tomasi that wrote the origin of the Robin King inside okay. that Legends of the Dark Knight one shot for yeah, yeah. Death Metal. So mm-hmm. that that time that you did see him before, where he you know, like him killing his parents and the, mm-hmm. the origin of that is the same artist. So there okay. is a continuity of okay. this artist kind of handling the important stories of um, mm-hmm. Robin King. Okay. Um, yeah, this was cool. Yeah. Like the, um, it was, there was something very um, silver age about it. That was really cool. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, the way that he dispatches heroes slash his villains right. um, is, is all with deus ex machinas in a very like, silver like age kind of way. For, like I yeah, have the, like, just the thing. He's got just the thing yeah. for literally everyone. Yeah, and yeah. In a different context, it would have been really annoying, but for some reason, this art, this story, this tone, it mm-hmm. was just it just felt classic in a nasty way. You know, like yeah, uh, yeah, like uh, um, I think it was, I think it was the pill that did it for me. So like he he has created he has spent the entirety of the Wayne fortune creating this utility belt that has something literally for everyone you know like mm-hmm. um every single type of kryptonite every single type of of uh, uh greek magic every single like yeah, yeah. the the last of the lazarus pits that he destroyed the last of the water that like he literally has every kind of 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 mm-hmm. piece of mystical or or functional weapon in the dc universe inside of his the- utility belt Wayne Towers buildings, I think is uh, oh, yeah. pertinent yeah, to this where he's, yeah. He, yeah, he's, he, he sets up like um, hot spots or, or drop spots for weapons on top of every single Wayne building that yeah. uh, owned Wayne building. So when he's out there doing something, it's cool. Like he's got a weapon. Yeah. Um, there was one, it was, it was the tipping point for me of me deciding this is cool and not stupid was mm-hmm. when he was finally captured by the Batman who laughs and, was meant to be made a Groblin, which is essentially he just takes Robins from across the multiverse or across the dark multiverse and dips them in the acid or shit like the the grabs them up. Yeah, he he goblins <laughs> them up right before this Bruce Wayne Robin is about to get dipped. He throws a pill in his mouth and he's like, "I was saving this for the Martian Manhunter. It's it's going to hide my consciousness in the back of my brain and I'll be able to access it at some point. So like when I am on fire, like it's only, yeah. it's oh, yeah. only for people who I, are on yeah. fire. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, it's so hyper specific that I was yeah. like, Oh, this is like silver age bullshit. Yeah. I'm cool. This yeah. is fine. This is, this is up there with my only weakness is yellow. Yes. Like, <laughs> but, but it just, it really works. And, yeah. and it, oh, so uh, Samuel David's making fun of me. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Classy, classy in a nasty, nasty way. way. You or but it is Dark like, the, well, 
Yeah. <laughs> but it is. He's using he's using very Silver Age classy or classic yeah. kind of tropes, but he's using them for really nasty scenes and and yeah. and grotesque re- uh, uses. And it's just it, it it makes it kind of that much more fun because it's almost it's almost yeah. forbidden kind of fun. I think also uh, the this heroes. Book was cool. Yeah, definitely. I I think the heroes that he's going up against play a role in that too. Like mm-hmm. they are. They're very classic DC, but out of the way. Like, one of the groups that he is up against is Blue Beetle, Animal Man, and Red Tornado. Uh, you want to talk about Animal Man? Ooh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Animal Man is a big family man. and uh, I mean, well, he's one with his family now. He is. He is <laughs> as family as you can get in yeah. their digestive tracts. <laughs> oh. it's, it's, a- essentially, uh, go ahead. Was that a deceased reference? Did he pull them? From I don't like think a... so. No. Okay. No. So the the um this version of the Animal Man is is one of like he's the avatar. He's one of the Earth's avatars, right? Like mm-hmm. the avatar of 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 the red. The, yes. Um, and then there was there's the avatar of the green, which is Swamp Thing, and mm-hmm. then there's there's the rot, like the the decayed yeah. the two. Yeah. Um, so he essentially turned his family into zombies that ate him because um, they're drawn to uh, the red or the green like feverishly. Yeah. So essentially just oh you're a family man you want your family back that's cool here they are and they just eat yeah (laughs) and later on you see like he's limbless and um, Robin King picks him up as a a human shield. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really Nasty book. But speaking of the Silver Age thing, like Robin King has chosen to name the thing that he sprays on Red Tornado the Mortal Coil, which yeah. causes him to become mortal and like human because Red Tornado is, a, is an android. Or well, he's got a complicated backstory, but he's not biological. And not only that, but uh, cause his tornado powers to to go crazy. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah. He's turning him human while he's torturing him to death at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually feeling new kinds of pain. This is a cool book. I like we can we can talk about every single dispatch because it's fun. I also like finding out that he wasn't the darkest night like why would he join with him <laughs> and he wasn't really planning on just taking him on as an apprentice. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I think it fills in kind of a cool piece of their of their relationship. Um foolish though it might be for the Batman or the Darkest Night to be like, oh, why don't I just let another yeah. Bruce Wayne in on this? <laughs> this is this is a great this is a great kind of like Halloween read. Yeah. And and um it's it's very much what they I guess they succeeded in. Tried it and whether you liked it or not. Um what they did with Superboy Prime mm-hmm. um for Superman, this this very this this dark, aggressive young version mm-hmm. that goes off the deep end and they're doing that with Bruce Wayne, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I want to see, I'm, I'm going to, I'm like dream casting this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see super sons fights, uh, Superboy prime and Robin King. It's like two cool. team ups against each other. I, I thought you were going to go with like a, like a dark world's fine, you know, like the world's. Oh world's yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to fight. Yeah, yeah. Superboy prime and this cat are going to fight. But yeah. I want them. I want them to eventually team up and uh, and go after the rest because that's just fun. That's that comic fun. books. That's comics for sure. Um. All right. So that's this week's books. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah. Before we jump into um, the the uh, the book club, uh, we got a little a little bit more housekeeping. Cool. Um, if you like what we do here, j- drop us a solid and like and subscribe. Uh, hit the notification bell and comment so you know whenever we're going live. Don't forget that every Sunday morning, except next Sunday morning, but every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to be here live streaming where you can join in the conversation. We'll talk about the week's comics and any other pop culture stuff that's going to be fun to talk about. Um, please okay. like and follow us. Oh, no. yeah. Uh, no. I, is there anything that JD tells us about every week? Some sort of pet Palerdion? What is it? A website? Patronion? Oh, Patreon. Oh, yeah, that's it. There it Help us keep going by donating at patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. There are tiers in there. Um, it is Johnny Destructo's Patreon. There are tiers? And there's some really... Yeah, there's there tiers. tiers. There's tiers in his Patreon? There's, there's <laughs> donation tiers. Have you never visited it? Oh, I thought you meant of, of sadness or joy. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? If people would pay, I bet that he would bottle his tears yeah. for yeah. your protection and or spells. Yeah, I, I can but see. We'll, him doing we'll talk about like it that. later. Yeah, it's all about merchandising. We'll talk about it. Yeah, later. we'll pressure him into that later. Um, also, don't forget, yeah, don't forget, <laughs> to, don't forget to follow us on YouTube and Facebook. On YouTube, it's called Pop Go, uh, and on Facebook, it's the Cold Pop Podcasts. Um, and we're we're always we're always down to talk. So just join us for the conversation. And I think we should now. Uh, you know, uh, again, behind the curtain, we got a couple thunder rounds. Thunder rounds, but. I don't know. You think we're we're already in an hour? Okay. We still want to talk about the book club. Right. What do you think? Should we should we skip them? Do, do we could do two really quick, or we could skip them? Here's we just have say. to promise not to talk more. I well, that's a promise I cannot keep. No, but <laughs> <laughs> as you well know, but um, I say we talk about the book club, and then at the end of it, if we if we feel like to in thunder rounds, All we right. do them. I mean, and then if we, we don't. We're, out. we're doing it live. All right, cool. live. All right, let's let's talk about the, let's talk about the uh, the book club selection for this month, and then we'll see how we feel afterwards. Sounds good. Hopefully, we won't lose all the viewers. Yeah, just um, a healthy percentage. <laughs> just normal drop off. Yeah, all we're hoping for. Normal drop off. That's a win. Book club. Uh, every month, for those of you who don't know or joining us for the first time, every month we. Uh, the last weekend of the last Sunday of every month, we select a book to talk about. And by book, I mean just like a, a collected edition, a specific art arc, something that we haven't read ever or want to revisit and talk about with the group. Uh, this month, we thought that it would be a really, really good idea to do this book for a couple of reasons. One, it's Halloween spooky time. So mm-hmm. we wanted a spooky book. Two, this book earlier this month or actually uh, later in the sum- later this past summer, like late in the summer, Got a lot of traction because it was unceremoniously and way too early canceled. Mm. It had a lot like the highest uh, critical reviews. It just wasn't getting sales enough for DC. And they they dropped the book before it was even finished with its 10th issue or 8th or ninth issue. Um, the, mm. the trade never hadn't even come out yet. And they were like done at 12th. So there was a, a a groundswell on Twitter and on social media about saving this book uh, and people need to try it and pick it up and make up their own minds. And if they wanted to try and save it from being canceled from some sort of fate, whether that's going to be in graphic novels later or a continued series or just the adventures, the further adventures that was spearheaded by the writer. 
Simon Spurrier, who very, and I would, I would, I would, I would highly suggest anybody look this up if they're interested a little bit of like how creators uh, work with their publishers and just their feelings about what they do. Um, Simon Spurrier, when the news was announced, wrote a really, really good, um, I want to say op-ed article on his, on his website about his feelings about this. Um, the life of a writer, writer for hire and how you can and you often do compartmentalize jobs because they're jobs and you just sure. do them well, but there's some that get under your skin and you could see yourself doing it for a long time. And he was like, I thought I was over this shit, but when <laughs> they canceled this, I yeah. was not over it. That sucks. So you yeah. like the, the passion, like his, his passion, uh, compelled me to be like, guys, and JD had read a couple issues of this and said it was great. So mm -hmm. I was like, guys, we should just read this and talk about it. And maybe, maybe if we convince one or two extra people to give it a shot, it has a better chance of continuing. Yeah. So I'm speaking explicitly of John Constantine, Hellblazer, Volume 1, Marks of Woe, written by Simon Spurrier with art by Matias Bargara, Aaron Campbell, and Marcio Takara. Mm. Here is the description. Brutally retrieved from a tangle of apocalyptic futures and outright insanity, this the working class Magus finds himself restored to a haunted shadows of London where local gangsters are being shredded by terrifying entities. Their boss wants to hire Constantine to help, and without a penny to his name and with a gun in his face, who's he to say no? But this isn't an open-end exorcism. To put this madness back in its bottle, John must work with the man who tried to replace him during his missing years and confront an impossible power with a horribly familiar face. One of DC's most iconic characters comes screaming and swearing back into the pages of John Constantine Hellblazer Volume 1, Marks of Woe. Collects, uh, this, this first volume collects uh, the Sandman universe presents Hellblazer 1, which is a one-shot, or one in Dunnish. Hell, uh, John Constantine, Hellblazer 1 through 6, and Books of Magic number 14. So the way that this volume is broken out is it starts with that Sandman Universe Presents, Hellblazer 1. That directly leads into Books of Magic number 14. And then the first six issues of Hellblazer proper. So this is a, this is a pretty meaty collected edition. This was eight chapters. Usually they're four to six. Um, so let's dig into it. But before that... What are your thoughts, Brian? Uh, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I liked all, all right, of done. it. Yeah. Have a good day, everyone. All yeah. right. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Constantine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was, uh, it, it's three or four or maybe even five different kinds of things. Um, so there is a little bit of difficulty in reviewing it as a whole, but it was all written by the same, by the same person. Yeah. Um, and I, I really liked it. I think I liked the Books of Magic storyline, uh, or story, I should say, uh, the best. And I'm trying to remember. Uh, I really enjoyed the last issue as well, but now I don't remember exactly what happened. You know, uh, the the last issue was, um, yeah. So you this book, much like the first kind of um, chunk of an ongoing, sets up a couple of things, mm -hmm. and then just cherry picks where in the story to progress those things. So it'll like go away for mm -hmm. a little while, but then all of a sudden it's back. Mm -hmm. So the, the one shot and so the, the Hellblazer number one and books of magic number 14 are almost their own separate little story Yeah. of um, John is 
in the nexus of something. Everything's falling apart. It's going oh, down, and he gets is... a deal. Hey, have you ever read Books of Magic, the the original no. Books of Magic? Um, no. It's really good. It's Neil Gaiman. I don't want it's, to. You don't have to, but I don't uh, want to. Uh, why? Because I've already I've already read I got into Lucifer and I'm gonna read Sandman. <laughs> I don't want to read all of them. You don't have to. Um, I don't wanna. Noel, I hate to break it to you. You have to. <laughs> um, but we get a little bit of that in here where real quick the books of magic is Timothy Hunter could be the next great mage and these four characters that kind of tongue-in-cheek refer to themselves as the trench coat brigade Constantine mm -hmm. is one of them it's Constantine Phantom Stranger Mr. E mm -hmm. maybe there's only three there, there might be a fourth one that I'm forgetting uh, and they each kind of take like a different part of his education oh Dr. Occult that's who the other one is Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that happens is Mr. E takes him into the future to see the different things that could occur. One of the things that he sees is if he turns bad and Constantine is dying. And so we see that from old Constantine's perspective in that reality yeah. here in this, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So this is um, the first issue of this is mildly impenetrable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but. I didn't mind it though because it, it it was done in such a way that it drops you in a story as opposed to makes you feel like you've missed the story. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it drops you into this absolute chaos, gives you like real high level. It was because this did this did this. Mm -hmm. Got to get him. Mm -hmm. um, Constantine is about to die, and he is visited by a elderly version of himself, <laughs> who says, "Hey." I'll throw you back where you could, you know, survive this and whatever, but you got to give me your soul when you're done mm -hmm. or you got to give me your soul when you die. And he was like, why would an old version of me want my soul? Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, sure. Right. Let's do it. Cause right. he's about to die. Um, so he, the, the idea of him going back has to do with you. You gotta, you gotta get rid of Timothy Hunter. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's his name, right? Yeah. Timothy um, Hunter. Yeah. yeah. While he's still a kid. So this shit doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so those first two issues are essentially that story, like um, sent back in time by an old version of himself to kill Timothy Hunter, and he goes through the the rigmarole of of trying to, as humanely as possible, kill a fifteen year old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then the kid cheats, and he's yeah. like, "I kind of dig you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to kill you today, yeah. but." Don't be an asshole. Yeah, uh, which is which is very cool. Um, but then you, it feels like it's over. Mm -hmm. the The book makes an immediate hard right and becomes a much different. Um, I want to say a much different, darker, muddier yeah. kind of um, street level book with you know, dealing a lot with tulpas and and mad dark magic. Mm -hmm. But then every once in a while the old version of uh, Constantine who his soul was promised to shows up. So you're like, Oh, this is part of the same thread, right. but it's a completely different fact. Like this was, this was almost like watching a really, really great television show. That's got a, a main thrust or a main like plot, mm -hmm. but you got a lot of like B stories that mm -hmm. you don't know until they tell you are related to the main plot. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this really did read really, really well. Like, like, um, almost like a procedural. 
mm-hmm. that's got a that's got a higher level plot, but still kind of like gives you these little street level stories. So I, mm-hmm. I after the first issue, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing, and then I just kind of settled in. Also, uh, something in the first issue that was cool is that this is a massive superhero battle that is happening there, but you don't see that. Like he talks about, like, oh, the capes are up doing their thing, and you see them like very abstractly in the background. Um, and yeah, it, Noel is showing us that them very abstractly in the background. And uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm sorry, I was showing the very literally yeah. the second page two and two and three. Mm-hmm. In the collected edition, uh, it's literally the very the the opening, um, the opening uh, splash page of just absolute chaos in the skies, and then we yeah. have the, you know, ground level perspective of John Constantine just having a cigarette. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell am I going to do about it? His uh, his what he does do about it. His trick in that was also very interesting. He gets his longtime friend and uh, colleague, I guess, um, kind of like. Man Friday to um, believe that he is the the linchpin to this whole matter, and he's got you know he shows up with his with his head of a boar and it was supposed to be a goat. He's like, is this good enough? He's like, oh, it's perfect. And the reason that it is perfect is that all that matters is that Chaz, this man, believes that it is perfect. Right? He is sacrificing, yeah. and that these demonic entities will be drawn to his belief is what really matters. Um, very underhanded, very Constantine thing to do. Oh yeah, it's it um it illustrates very quickly that this character um the nothing nothing is sacred in in the pursuit of besting uh, a villain, right? Yeah, yeah. So he like whatever needs to be done, kind of the thing. closest thing he has to a friend and weaponizes their trust in him. Yeah, that's essentially what he does in the first five yeah. pages of this book. Yeah, um, and it's 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 a ramification for the rest of the book too, in a, in a really fun way. Yeah, which I mean, also like he is trying to avert the end of at least Earth, if not everything. Uh, so it's understandable, but yeah, it's a great it's a great character building moment. Uh, speaking of the main series, um, oh hello, action figure expert, how are you? How's it going? Um, and the main series, I liked the intro right i found mm-hmm. it difficult to get through but it was good when i say intro i mean the first three issues um for one the the art really good but tough to to move through so i was yeah. glad when it transitioned to something else for after you know and then in the second two issues and then the third one um it, which is not a condemnation of it it was just like all right, that was that was heavy, you know. And also the way the guy spoke, the Harris Specs, which uh, was like some kind of Cockney or very uh, very street British accent. Um, that yeah, yeah. It was it was um it was like watching Attack the Block with with mm-hmm. uh with uh, uh captions on. Mm-hmm. It it's it's very difficult to kind of wrap your brain around it unless you can hear it. And if you've never heard it, then it's gibberish. Mm. Um. But um, I uh, my biggest my biggest problem or the the thing I didn't like the most about this book was the art. I think it's yeah. Aaron Campbell is the artist for for that chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very, it's it's painterly, it's evocative, it's kind of Alex Malevish, mm. and because of that, it's very static. Yeah. It's not super engaging. 
it's it's confusing at times. Like if something big is supposed to happen, but it just looks like a mess of inks, which mm-hmm. is beautiful in and of itself. But in, in mm-hmm. regards to telling the story, it just doesn't really work for me or didn't yeah. work at, at times yeah. for me. Um, or same, same in when you're in that guy's like, I don't know, lair, his hangout, yeah. the Harris specs. It was kind of difficult sometimes to tell what was happening in, you know, yeah, it, was, uh, it, was in lot, the picture. it was a lot of darkness. Yeah a lot of, of of muddiness and i know that it was intentional and it worked for its intention but sure. as opposed to like in in how it flowed as a story for me i didn't mm-hmm. care for it. it it very much reminded me of what my impressions of sandman universe books are mm, sure yeah Which we had this conversation before too because like i said i just finished the first uh, omnibus of lucifer i think it was yeah. last month there is one issue in the midst of all of it that is just like a painted yeah painted Full yeah. issue yeah. that literally takes all momentum, stops it, and then picks it up and smacks you in the face with it. Yeah. And it turns off like the next four issues because yeah. it was such a halt. And this had a touch of that where it was um, the Books of Magic issue was so imaginative, and or the yeah the Books of Magic chapter was so imaginative, and mm-hmm. the act was really really fun mm-hmm. watching the kid who's turning pages and slowly being poisoned just start like drooling out of his mouth. Like it was yeah. very clear. And it was almost it was almost comical, and that was more what you've gotten used to with like that's what I think of the Sandman universe stuff as looking like is this like well, it's Peter Grossish comic right? yeah Peter Grossish exactly like yeah. comicy but realistic and, yeah but yeah. and then you've got the the dark kind of muddy sheen for about four issues and it was mm-hmm. it was a really really good story that's why it kind of kept going for me but if this was mm-hmm. twelve issues of that it, it would have been a little bit harder to go yeah. through now the the last, um, the second to last bit. So like Aaron Campbell is, I think the first four, or no, the first three issues, then you got mm-hmm. two issues of Matias Bergara and mm-hmm. then another issue of Aaron Campbell. So that's the first six. Mm-hmm. The Matias Bergara stuff mm-hmm. was spectacular to me. I absolutely loved the, a little bit more cartoonish, slender, um, exaggerated mm-hmm. Constantine. Yeah. Uh, where he's, he's, he is, introduced to this very hipster crunchy yeah um mage <laughs> who's been covering for him while he's while he's been gone yeah. actually that's something that we didn't mention so the, the the idea is that there have been many constantine uh books in mm-hmm. the intervening years since the the main um series ended mm-hmm. uh, like a long time ago yeah and he this was not book, as much in vertigo like he was kind of brought yeah. into He's in Justice League Dark. He's well. Let's just say it like that. that. So that version of so this is meant to be the Vertigo version of of John Constantine continued. Yeah, because they posit in the story that whatever happened after, like when he made the deal with mm-hmm. the older version of himself, that's the end of the Vertigo. Like that's the Vertigo version of mm-hmm. John Constantine. That he makes the deal and wakes up here, and. He's been in in the story. He's been missing for X amount of years and yeah. is very like doesn't know behind. how to work a cell phone. Doesn't know how to work yeah. a smartphone. Doesn't so right. that they very subtly post, uh, postulate that this is OG John mm-hmm. Constantine. All that other stuff in the multiverse and in DC continuity, sure that maybe happened, mm-hmm. but this is the one that you're following from over mm-hmm. there, and they which I thought was really of, really cool. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they pull him out of continuity and then put him back right here. Right. He's in, like, what is already an alternate or possible yeah. reality, so it kind of still works just as well, and he's, like, put back into his body. Uh, before we get too far away from it, I just thought it was an interesting parallel. In the first one, the guy who is... Another issue with the art is I didn't realize he was supposed to be tattooed. I thought that that was, like, a magical thing, right? Full body but, tattoos, yeah. Yeah, and they may also be magical, but whereas he was difficult to understand, I found it equally impenetrable to read through a bunch of William Blake poems while we were, you know, I was like, oh my God, here we got to go through another three stanzas of Blake's stuff. Um, but I just thought that that was an interesting uh, point. Yeah, there, yeah. point. Yeah. there was, yeah. it was, um, this is not a binge read. No. This is very no. much a absorb a, a chapter, put it down, absorb mm -hmm. a chapter, put mm -hmm. it down. Um, but it was it was incredibly like for me it was fulfilling and mm -hmm. I really really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. But I would I would be selective as to who I um, recommend this to. Yeah, it although would have the to last be, issue, what do you think about the art in the last issue? Because the same artist, same, same style. The same yeah, the the style of the story though fit yeah. it better. Yeah, like that's so that the last story was a little bit of a one shot, but not really. This was mm -hmm. one of those instances where. It's a. It's almost like a one and done story, but mm -hmm. at the end they kind of reveal that it still has to do with old Everything John else, yeah. Constantine. Yeah. Well, and there's Which some kind of gathering evil and yeah. darkness that is, I think, the through line to all of this stuff. That's that <laughs> in the in the two parter where you've got this guy, this like naive guy who thinks he's been made the protector of of Albion. Yeah. You know, all of England. That was it. That was my favorite. It was good. Was it was good. good. The yeah. art, I, I enjoyed the change. I wasn't sure how well it fit Constantine, but I wouldn't object. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then this evil has been, you know, doing stuff all over all over England. And it has, they, when they put it on a map, it is a uh, ball, uh, uh, phallus and testicles. <laughs> this yeah. one it is, which just, is, they're like, we're just screwing with this guy that thinks he's the top yeah. mage, you know? And, and then you learn it literally was old Constantine. Like uh, the right. big bad in this entire series is future version of John Constantine. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. But, uh, uh to, yeah. to your, like this, I did just, it literally just clicked. We're only, we're going to talk about Lucifer forever now. Um, <laughs> The way that this was structured, and I don't know if it's continued in the series because as much as I do plan on picking up the next volume, mm -hmm. I've, I've not been reading it in issues, so I don't know. But wouldn't it be cool mm -hmm. if, just like they did with Lucifer, it's Peter Gross is the main artist, but then every four uh, or five issues, yeah. you've got Dean Ormston doing one yeah. or two issues of just like a an in-between story that does have to do with the main plot, but mm -hmm. it's an in-between story. Yeah. And that's kind of what this uh, Matthias stuff looked like it was mm -hmm. completely different from the previous art however it was still still worked still mm -hmm. in it mm -hmm. um which i thought was really really cool yeah and it was a nice kind of refreshing change yeah. um it was, also, it was it was daytime that yes. was nice yes that yeah, was, it was just nice. daytime yeah. yeah um his constantine solution he, he's his little tricks and whatever are done very well in this book and the way that he so the the problem, the, the the main problem that they face is that the Ravens in the Tower of London, which are a real thing as far as I know, um, have been trained to say horrible things to non-British people that then manifest in reality. And so there's a there's an immigration and racism thing throughout this entire book. It also shows up in the 
I think it, it shows up in only the, the single issue at the end. I don't think it's in the first story arc, but I think it's going to be a major part of the book. Mm-hmm. And I love how Constantine's way of around way of getting around this is, is not magical. He just teaches the Ravens a bunch of new words that are not family friendly. Yeah. So they take the Ravens away for a while to like retrain them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought that, that was great fun. too. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really like you. So Constantine is known for, I guess, his brilliance is how simple his solutions are at times or how like outside of the box, he's, the solutions are Indiana Jones shooting the guy yeah, just, posturing with the swords and he pulls out a revolver and shoots it or whatever he had and shot. Yeah. It. And yeah. the idea of the idea of he doesn't know how to work his cell phone. Yeah. So they dispatch a demon and mm-hmm. trap it in his cell phone. Mm-hmm. And instead of figuring out how to use the tech, mm-hmm. he just keeps making little bargains with this demon in mm-hmm. his phone. Like, hey, can you find me a number? I'll I'll find you a, a, a video of somebody getting punched and that'll that'll make you happy for a little bit. Can you yeah. just find me a phone number? So like it's this <laughs> it's the the la- path of least resistance or the easiest path for him as opposed to just like learning a new skill, which I thought yeah. was just awesome about the character. Yeah. But you had mentioned the last issue, same same artist, but I think mm-hmm. it works better. Yeah. The way that that issue is laid out, it's it's almost like a um, that issue is something's happening in the the terminal ward at the hospital. It's it's structured like a closed door mystery, one location, mm-hmm. a lot of prose, and just a handful of characters. So there's no there's no real need for like the kinetic energy from panel to panel like the other issues did. True. So it didn't bother me as much. However there still were some visually confusing things in that issue. Like Hmm. the ghost and how it manifests and what it's actually doing was super unclear Hmm. because when it turns evil, the whole panel just becomes this like mess of, of, of paint. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Like, it still wasn't as effective as I think it could have been. Like they're going for mood over. I think in, in some respects, it feels like they're going for mood over substance or clarity. I which yeah. works in pieces, but as a whole, I, I didn't know how successful it was for me. I definitely thought those pages that you mentioned, those were the, the like three times in the, in that issue where I was like, uh, this is, <laughs> this is tough. This one page, you know, where they're like splash pages of them yeah. doing their thing. It was tough to figure out what was happening, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I actually still am not a hundred percent sure. And I just may be forgetting was that ghost, that old woman or a separate entity who had latched onto that old woman. I'm still, I'm not certain. Um, it was, it was, uh, so they, uh, I mean, spoilers guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, it was the old woman, but it, it was, was okay. it was the old woman fueled by hate. So oh, right. someone, somebody someone pretending to be her, spending, Yeah, that's right. She never had a family. She never had children. She, she was just very lonely and somebody started sending her letters that, allowed her to be almost weaponized in yeah. on her deathbed yeah, yeah. which and then so she became whatever this became, evil is i mean old constantine yeah. or whatever it turns out to be that's what is ultimately yeah. behind it but yeah. and they show old constantine kind of imbuing her with the ability to do that so like it, it was mm-hmm. it's, it's this larger plot mm-hmm. and she is just a pawn uh mm-hmm. but but the the teaser at the end i don't understand it it's like letters the letters were coming from the house of commons or yeah, uh, just part I of it. Rem- don't remember that 
Yeah, it's the they have two houses, House of Lords and House of Commons. That's about all I know about British Parliament. Um, they they look at the envelopes where the letters were coming from, and they just kind of you could see that they were sent by the government, essentially. Oh yeah, I remember thinking like, I wonder if that was supposed to be more effective <laughs> than I, it, yeah. For other readers, maybe for me, not. However, it was yeah. still enough of a breadcrumb. Sure. Um, yeah, something's up. Oh, also, I like the resolution to this. You know, I love a good. Um, Kindness and compassion and goodness wins out over yeah. hatred, and that's how you solve problems, really. And uh, this was this was that. I thought it was great. It was very much a Doctor Who kind of thing. Yeah, a definitely. Doctor Who kind of resolution. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I I would very much recommend this book. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I am not mm-hmm. historically a um, Hellblazer fan or a Hellblazer reader, but I've always liked the character. So this mm-hmm. was a really good. This is a really good. Um, book that is both an entry point and a continuation of the heyday mm-hmm. uh, it's not it's not so layered with references that it's completely impenetrable but it's also not so slave uh slave and or slavish slavish slave slavishly, it's not so slavishly uh connected to what happened mm. previous that it's that it's not fun to read if you right, didn't right. so like it's a really good it's a really good um balance of Entry mm-hmm. point slash continuation. Also, it makes me want to read Books of Magic, which um, I have a bit of a backlog of. I own them and just haven't gotten oh, around to. I was yeah. going to I would well, which which version? So, like the original version or the no, no, whatever watch? one. I, I read the other one, the, the original one, a long time ago, <laughs> but um, whatever series this is. Actually, the yeah, first the, Simon Spurrier thing and the first Tom, Tim Hunter thing I ever read was Books of Magic Life During Wartime where Tim is a, is an adult. That was my exposure to it. And I was like, this guy's pretty cool. And I went back and got the other stuff. Um, but uh, no, I mean, just this series, whatever, who, uh, whatever series this is. I don't know if, if Spurrier is the regular writer on that, or if he just came in. He's I not. I, duet, I right? forget who it is. Uh, yeah. Um, the regular. Uh, Cat Howard. Maybe. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Tom Fowler does the layouts, for, or at least did for a while. But yeah, it's okay. it's its own it's its own thing. Yeah. Oh, and you may have noticed also one of the things that they're doing with Tim. I think since the New Fifty Two started, is he is like a techno mage. Like that's part of his his thing, and uh, like that's the part of the newness of Tim Hunter that he'll oh, be the next great cool. mage. Yeah, and I think that's why he uses trying to hold it up here, but he's got a screwdriver as his wand and there's like a kind of circuitry um, aesthetic. I would would be down potentially going back and reading that. I heard that it was pretty good. I I just said like as, as the um, Sandman universe border attracts some people, it Mm -hmm. detracts me normally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, like I said, it's good. It's really good. It's not, um, I wouldn't say it's like one of the must reads of the Sandman universe, but it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And it's a cool like tour through DC's magical. It's a little less uh, vertigo. It's a little more set in just general DC stuff. Yeah. Um, And you get a whole like, you know, beginning of time to end of time kind of DC magic thing. So right. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I th- this um this was a very meaty read. I very much enjoyed it. I'm glad I own it and I would suggest other people pick it up. This is this was really good. Hmm. Yeah, John I know. I'll second that. Except for the owning it part, I don't own it, but if I did, <laughs> I'd be glad to. <laughs> you could just you could just second the recommendation. I do. And, it. and I we are it. not we are not 
um, blind to the irony of us talking about a Hellblazer book and JD not being here. Yes. He is the biggest John Constantine fan. It's, it's actually, it's pretty annoying. In fact, I went to, I know, right. It's like John, John one Constantine. Of the yeah. It, we might as well be talking <laughs> okay. about preacher for two hours and not including him. <laughs> when yeah. I, I stopped by, uh, Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Maniunk, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, this week um, that JD owns operates. Uh, it's a great store, and I, I stopped in to pick up my my own books, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks that you won't be here to talk about Constantine." Yeah. And he really wanted to be here too, but you know, there's many other things in the world, and I was like, "Oh, well, we could talk about it a little now." So JD and I had a little conversation, and I let him know that I enjoyed it, which he enjoyed. So. He has uh, at least gotten something out of us having read it, but not as much as he might have wanted. <laughs> um, all right, you know what? I, I, I look. We, we've got maybe five minutes. Do all you right. want to do thunder rounds when we'll wrap up? Sure. Bonus, Let's do it. Bonus Let's thunder do it. rounds. We'll bonus just do thunder rounds. All right. Let me bonus get my rounds. What are thunder rounds? Thunder uh, rounds are thunder rounds. Sixty seconds on the clock to tell you what thunder rounds are. We talk about things for sixty seconds, and we never talk about them for longer than that. If we do, we're off the show. That's what happened to JD this week. He's, he talked about a thunder round for sixty-two seconds. Yeah, he did it. He week did up. a sixty-three-second thunder round. Yeah, that was that. So it's, yeah, it's not. It's not. Acceptable. We don't make the rules. Well, I guess we do, but we follow them slightly. Yeah, I was. I was. <laughs> we are, we make the rules, so it's our choice. Yeah. However, we yeah. are. Fervently married to those rules. With now that they're set in stone. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, I've got my I've got my timer to one minute, and Great. Brian, I would yes. love for you, yeah, to talk about Dune House of Trades number one, written by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, with art by Dev Pramanic. I will read the solicit, and then we will start the clock, and we'll do it with a one, two, three, go. Really, like, and then um, I'll go when you say go. Dune House of Trades number one, set in the years leading up to the Hugo and Nebula award-winning Dune, which inspired the upcoming feature film from legendary pictures Dune House of Trades, transports readers to the far future on the desert planet Arrakis, where Pardot Keens seeks its secrets. Meanwhile, a violent coup is planned by the son of the Emperor Elrude. An eight-year-old slave, Duncan Idaho, seeks to escape his cruel masters, and a young man named Leto, Leto Atreides begins a fateful journey. These unlikely souls are drawn together first as renegades and then as something more as they discover their true fate to change the very shape of history. So are you ready, Brian? I'm ready. Go. There's no one, two, three. All right. <laughs> ah, ah, I gotta go. Just go. Just do it. Uh, <laughs> um, this was very well done. You know, it was, a, it was a good story. It was a capable prologue. I, Personally, if you are going to watch this movie and or or read the book, which I recommend that you do, I would not read this before you see it. Um, no particular reason other than why not be exposed to these story elements in the grand story that they were originally intended. And then, you know, I, I think these are even based on books that came out afterwards that are uh, prequel stories. I read it so long ago that some of these things I remember, but I'm like, who is this guy? How does this lead here? So I missed out a little on the enjoyment of seeing the pieces fall into place that I'm familiar with. Um, all that being told, capably told story, it's pretty scattershot because it is, in fact, just saying, this thing's going to happen. Here's the thing where this almost happens. Um, I don't remember Duncan Idaho being in this book. Maybe that's a later one. End of ah, round! End of round! End of round. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so I guess it's my turn. Do you have a timer, or would you like me to time myself? I do have a timer, and it's set. All right, so I am going to talk about Batman 101, written by James Tinian IV, with art by Gillam March. Um, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, solicitations are as follows. A new day dawns in Gotham City, and the horrific aftermath of the Joker War is only starting to unfold. Now... Has the Joker's rampage affected? How has the Joker's rampage affected the citizens of the city? What legacy did the Clown Prince of Crime leave, and how it will hit the Dark Knight? And why does Cole Cash, aka Grifter, now work for Lucius Fox? Mm. He was. Tell me when you're ready. So. I, I should have grabbed the issue, ready. but oh, too late now. Six seconds on the clock, and go. Okay, so um, I didn't hate this issue. So I thought that this was interesting to talk about because this is issue 101. We just went through the entirety of the Joker War, and it's always very interesting to me what they do immediately after kind of like an event. This issue was uh, very much resetting up the status quo, some of it actually surprising, some of it not surprising whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. And in a weird way, almost uh, James Tinian calling his shot. Like he dis he dissolves the relationship with Catwoman for a year. Um, he sets up the new status quo of how Batman can function in this kind of defunded new world. Um, how he is going to function inside of Gotham City as opposed to over the water. Like it was a lot of groundwork that was interesting, but eh. <laughs> and a large part of that for me was the art. I really didn't like it at all. Um, Gillum March is not doing it for me. He draws. Batman with the spike cape that I no. hate. End of round. Never end of round. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did go I, back the, to the blue though, which I liked. The blue and gray, as opposed to the black and gray. I thought that was fun. There's no blue. Yeah, he had a blue. He had a blue suit on in the in the um, when he's talking with Catwoman. It's the oh, blue and the gray. I got. I don't it. remember. I got it for you. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, the, uh, there, I I don't know why, but the way that he draws Batman, he looks like a grizzled eighty-five-year-old. Yeah, like just the, it, I I don't I don't care for it. It's it wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. Um, but I do like all the stuff that like I so I had read an interview by Tinian. Mm -hmm. It's no secret that one hundred was supposed to be his last issue when he took the gig. Oh, but it was a secret the, to me. In the course of because because the idea was he's just going to jump in for like mm -hmm. 12 to 15 issues and then 5G was going to start and oh, the new right. creative team was going to come in. Less than halfway through his little like really finite plan, mm -hmm. um, they were like, no, 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 it's longer. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of reshuffling and reshifting and, and changing pieces of story and all kinds of weird stuff. Mm. Um, so in a lot of ways, this is his first issue. Because this is the first issue of his long-term plan for the mm -hmm. character, mm -hmm. so there, it read exactly like that. Like there was a lot yeah. of setup, yeah. there was a lot of status quo kind of buildup, which was what I. I mean, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. nice. All right, excellent. Yeah. But I, I, you know what, I, I, I think we've wasted people's time enough. And by the um, way, Noel, that was over sixty seconds. I, I, I tricked you into it. You can't come on the show next week. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know what? Neither can you. Yeah. Neither you know what? You. Let me talk about Dune for a little bit longer. I like the art. You know what? You know ah, what? I think, ah. I think we're just, we're just going to not do the show next week. Yeah. Uh, it's the only thing we could do with those. These are the rules. <laughs> uh, all right. So, you know what? 
Um, all right. So, like a baby, we're going to head out. Just like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, is there anything else you want to say to the people before we uh, we say goodbye? Oh no, I don't. I don't think so. Nothing in particular. Uh, oh, I saw Star Trek Discovery episode two of season three, and it continues to be awesome. We have not watched episode two yet. Oh, so. okay. Well, it, it continues to be awesome. Oh, well, yeah. Fair enough. And uh, uh, <laughs> where in in the meantime, until until we until we talk again, where can the people find you? Oh, I'm at brianliebdesign.com or brianliebd.com. Two domains that point to the same site. Oh, so you know every uh, every avenue for a user. Just don't right. drop off. That's Just right. don't drop off those points of engagement. No. Um, you could. I mean, you guys can find me anywhere here or on on a. Uh, uh, Twitter at Mr. Bartocci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, or any of uh, the Cult Pop uh, podcast live feeds or or social medias, and I'll say hello. Um, other than that, thank you for spending time with us uh, for the last however many minutes we've been here, about an hour and 15. Oh, hour one hour, hour 43. 45 minutes. 21 seconds Look, right now. It keeps growing. Uh, it's a, be sure to like out of time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, hit the notification bell so you know every time that we stream live. Also, you could talk to us via email if you'd prefer. Uh, that's cultpopgo at gmail.com. C U L T P O P G O at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, comment, talk to us, engage with us because obviously we're very standoffish. No, no, no. We're, we, we enjoy this stuff. But besides that, um, thanks, guys. Thanks for, for hanging out. Um, Wash your hands, mm. wear a mask, yeah. be safe, mm-hmm. be happy, mm-hmm. and we'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles. Recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is